Hello, everybody, fellow questers. That was pretty good. Why have I never said that before? Why have I never called people questers? Uh, welcome to Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast chronicling two game dev scrubs into game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. Hey, guys, I'm Taylor. And we've been talking about it for a long time, but we're, we're in the throes of it. We are in the throes of our passion making. Uh, just kidding. We uh, have been talking a long time about getting lots more guest hosts back on to talk about, you know, what's important to them and what and what we're going through. And we are fulfilling that promise yet again by bringing our old, our old buddy, John Dodson, back on. Go Ooh. ahead and say, hey, man. Uh, he was totally right about the throws of passion. Uh, the pre-show was so hot. Uh, I, <laughs> I release it. Yeah. Uh, with a special yeah. NC something or other on. Anyway, um, happy to be here, guys. Thank you. Really good hey, camera John. angles. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good to have you on, John. I'm excited yeah. to talk about what has changed in the last like six, seven months. Uh, did we have you on January last time? Yeah, uh, January. Yeah. Man. Before then, it was like what November, December, somewhere in there. Maybe or maybe it was yeah. like December and then February. Or something. I don't quite remember well this is episode 74 so like we're still kicking yeah awesome man so what, what have you been up to since last time we talked i know that uh we saw some really fun news on on cheerful ghosts this morning yeah so we launched uh the cheerful ghost games bbs version 1.0 uh <laughs> and i'm really happy that we were able to do that it's been a long time coming and if you remember back to our goals episode, I sort of alluded to a goal that I didn't really speak to. Is like, oh, and I'm working on something else that I don't really want to talk about. And that was it. Um, oh, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. So it took a long time to get to this point. So I had to like, we had to update the site in a lot of different ways. I also, one of the other goals was running a patron, uh, Patreon. I always say that wrong uh, for Cheerful Ghost <laughs> as well. So before I got... So I'll just explain a little bit about what it is. So if you guys remember back in the 90s, um, before the internet was really popular um, because it was very expensive. I don't know if you remember, but back then to get on the internet, you had to pay by the hour. Um, so you'd have a regular internet connection. You pay like $20 a month and then you pay like $1.99 an hour or whatever your ISP charged. Um, and then AOL changed that, um, and made it so that it was unlimited per month, unlimited time per month for just 20 bucks, which sort of changed how people use the internet. Now it wasn't like, oh, well you have to use weird programs to make it so you can chat with your friends and not cost money and whatever on AOL. So anyways, before that sort of internet being everywhere, um, my friends and I dialed into bulletin boards to play yeah. games. And what a bulletin board was essentially was you had a modem and you would dial someone else's computer that was dedicated and always on and accepting phone calls. And if it was just a single line BBS, you could only have one person call at the same at, at once. So um, I had friends in high school that ran BBSs um, and I'd call in and you do a couple things on a BBS. You download shareware like Doom. You'd um, send like messages to friends, uh, chat with people. Um, but it wasn't like in real time. If it was a single line BBS, you'd like leave a message and then they'd come on and then they'd leave a message back to you and you message them that way. And then you'd play games called door games, essentially. Um, some really, really popular door games back in the day that I loved were Legend of the Red Dragon, Trade Wars, 
um, and some other games that we'll talk about a little later. So anyways, so the BVS was kind of like, you, you could think about it in your community, you'd have maybe five or 10 that you could call up. If it was a big town, if it was a little town, you're lucky if you had one, right? Um, <laughs> and you had to dial local because back then, like, you couldn't um, dial long distance. That would cost, again, a bunch of money per minute. So you had to dial your local BBS. So um, there was like five and each BBS was a little different. It would, it would have like a different theme to it. Like one of my friends, they ran Coliseum BBS and they had a really cool ASCII art of the Coliseum, you know. <laughs> um, and and depending on the community you have, um, they'd all be running the same games, but the community would be different based on the and how they played the games. And you could have a really active trade wars game. You could have a trade wars game on one BBS where the people are super aggressive and trading and then they're mining out your your base or or you know and then you could have another one where it's pretty open and you can do whatever you want so um that's kind of like that sort of bbs thing is kind of how i grew up with sort of online computers and playing games with my friends and that sort of i always wanted to run one but i could never do it because my parents never could afford getting another phone line that was again really expensive to have a dedicated line back then back then so i thought i always thought cheerful ghost was kind of like a sort of a wish fulfillment of that BBS dream that I always had. And we just launched BBS games today, um, which is sort of a further continuation of that dream. So um, we launched a couple. So I'll talk about a couple that we launched and then I'll kick it back over to you all. But like we launched uh, three actual old school BBS games, uh, Freshwater Fishing Simulator. We we launched Don't Wake the Sysop, which is kind of a weird metagame (laughs) where you try to like make noise to wake the sis up. And I could explain that game too, but I, I don't want to keep rambling forever. It's based on old <laughs> BBS stuff. And then there's Barney Splat, which is a really weird game about trying to wreck Barney and friends. Um, it's hilarious <laughs> if you love trolling old 90s kids shows. So those are the three BBS <laughs> games we have. And those run in DOSBox in your browser. And those are straight up the old style bbs games you can play those uh we launched another game which is one that we made called cheerful fortune which every bbs has an old has a fortune program which tells you a quote or some nerdy thing this is one that i made myself and released on github as open source so you can see how i made that Uh, it also talks so you can like click the button and it will speak using the javascript's voice api um so on your phone it'll sound like siri on your desktop it'll sound like i don't know cortana or whatever you use in windows and then we launched two other games so it's like a i sort of view bbs as like a new wave thing so it's got some old games and it's got some new ones and i got two new games called candy box and candy box 2 which are open source javascript idle browser games that are incredible the fact that they're open source is so cool that we can include them and i recommend that you try them because they're so fun they kind of like inspired cookie clicker and that whole clicker genre. Yeah. Um, mm. And the original de- developer, Anway, decided to um, release them as open source so we can include those. Um, over the next couple months, we're going to release even more games. I'm talking to other developers, any developers to include them on the site. But I'm really happy that we were able to do this. The overall goal is that we're going to build our own games that are very similar to the BBS games of yore that you play with other people on Cheerful Ghost. So yeah. leaderboards, stuff like that. I want to make them super accessible and fun. But yeah, that was so much talking. <laughs> but I'm really happy. I, it's been so long in the in the making. But Cheerful Ghost is now a BBS, and I I love it. So happy. Yeah, that's dude, awesome. That's it's amazing. Yeah, when I when I saw that uh, you announced it, like I don't know. Well, I, maybe I saw like a Twitter post from you like a week ago or something like that, and I was like, oh man, like I literally haven't thought about 
a BBS system in a long time. And of course, like I never like, you know, that was a little bit before my time. Um, you know, when I was coming of age and was using computers, like the internet was kind of a thing that you could just use, you know, like we didn't have to have these workarounds. And I remember the first time I became aware of bulletin boards was, well, you, you guys remember the old network G4? Yeah. Yep. G4 TV. Uh, and before it was G4, it was Tech TV, and they mm-hmm. had this show that later became Attack of the Show, but it was called The Screensavers when it yeah. was on Tech TV. And they created a BBS system specifically for this type of stuff. And I that was the first time that I became aware of it, and I thought it was, like, so cool back in the day. And I realized that there was, like, a community of people that were still kind of keeping that tradition alive. And keeping the tradition alive in the old-fashioned way, where you actually had to dial in like how wild is that like <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's some true enthusiasts out there keeping that alive which is just amazing man and you're you're another link in the chain so that's really cool yeah there are uh, a lot of bbs's that offer the ability to telnet in um or you can do it through your browser and they're using the old wildcat bbs software to do that um i'm doing something we're doing something a little different we're doing like we're trying to build a bbs experience in the modern era you know what i mean yeah yeah same kind of games the same community but more accessible um and this is kind of how i want to see it which is kind of like one foot in what was awesome about the past and one foot kind of in the future i think yeah so i think that's a great way to do it it's a good coupling i was gonna say for me i've been really big into pico 8 lately uh, which, if you're not familiar, is a fantasy console. Yeah, um, it's awesome. The games people make in that are so cool. Yeah, I'm actually doing a game jam right now called Low Res Jam. Um, awesome. And I'm making a game in Pico 8. And they have their own BBS system. And that's like the first time I had ever seen a BBS in action. Um, I had done, you know, reading stuff. Like I read Masters of Doom, and they talk about that whole thing with, you know, when id Software put out Doom and everyone was freaking out trying to get get on the bbs to to get access to it so i kind of had that idea but uh about what it is but like how does are there any particular rules about like the types of games that can be put up on a bbs like if i for instance if somebody made a game in like unity or something would that like be disqualified for being put up on like the cheerful ghost bbs or do you know what I'm asking? I do. And I was going to pitch to you guys that if you had any interesting games that you thought might make sense to go on there to let me know. But the only yeah. rule. So Travis and I are making this up as we go along. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> when we originally launched this, I really wanted to have half the games be old school BBS games and then half of them be kind of like a new you know new games that are kind of like an homage to the old games uh moving forward um i'm already talking i guess i'll spoil it right now but i'm talking to wick about getting crescent loom on on it um and it's very much a new kind of thing so i published starship rubicon with wick on cheerful ghost and he's working on his new game called crescent loom and it's kind of a game of very akin to spore but i would say cooler in that you design your um your creatures and their neural pathways that define how the, they interact with their environment and how they eat stuff and that kind of thing. It's a really, really cool game. And you can play that with your mouse on a computer and it's an HTML5 thing. So we're building Cheerful Ghost Games BBS with a whole lot of games in mind. So mm-hmm. that'll be a next release. Um, we're going to cool. do little releases of little games. So I guess 
we could we could allow almost anything. I think that we would just have to make sure that the game was um, playable in some way that it was uh, and it passed some quality bar with us. But I'm right. way open to small, awesome games or even bigger ones that um, kind of hit that aesthetic or cool. are interesting in some way. So then this is almost like a cheerful ghost version of itch.io, except for it must be played in the browser. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so, because itch itch is a service for anyone to get on it, put their game and upload it. Cheerful ghost, it's more of a curation. The BBS always was the sysops or a group of people figuring out what made sense for the community and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I kind of look at it as sort of an amalgamation between, again, that old school BBS style and sensibility with something like Newgrounds or Itch. I don't right. think I'm going to allow just anyone to go to the site and upload their game because you have Itch for that and I'm not trying to replace them. We're right. just trying <laughs> to have a place where there's a couple really awesome games that people could come to and play that makes sense for the community uh, and then also focus on the games that we're going to make moving moving forward too. That's cool. So I see Starship Rubicon on here. Can you purchase that through the BBS or is it free to play? So you can click Starship Rubicon and it kicks you over to the Steam page. I, I So it's weird because it's not a game you can run in the browser. So it totally breaks the rule. I'm glad you're asking ah. me about this. <laughs> but, like, but it was a game that we published that I have a relationship with Wikibout. And I wanted to include it because I had no idea where else to put it. But I wanted to show people that hey this is a thing that we did and it's always going to be historically available there you know what i mean it's always going to be on steam it's always going to be there um i don't know if we're going to get involved in traditional games publishing moving forward we might um but if we do i might have a listing on the bbs just for like marketing i suppose but i don't but i don't know because i have I have reservations about indie game traditional indie game development moving forward and I like our I like this model a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um we could talk a little bit more about that but but yeah, I don't know. Does that even answer that question at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, it it kind of expands what what you're after um which is interesting. I mean, I think this is a really cool idea and it's pretty um pretty awesome that you can offer this kind of platform that's completely curated by you like to to best fit your community that you're building. So I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. One of the things I realized when we worked with Wick to publish Starship Rubicon is that people really like playing cool games. And so do I. I just, the idea of doing it on Cheerful Ghost wasn't something that came to me until about last year. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but if you ever want to talk about adding some games, I wouldn't mind trying to put something up there too no i think that sounds great uh email me or whatever i would love to talk about it because again like you know one of the coolest things that i was involved with was getting involved with wick and starship rubicon and then it got me thinking about things in a totally new way so i'd love to talk to you more about that that sounds really great cool yeah thanks john cool (laughs) (laughs) so if you guys didn't notice kind of the segue we had at the beginning like john was talking about that's uh, kind of something that he kind of passively mentioned last time he was on when we were talking about goals. Um, and I think this is this is so great because it's something that you've been suing on for a long time. And now it's something that's come to fruition. It's real. It came out of your mind. And now people can go see it. And uh, 
For, let's toss out a link for that. What's that? Uh, cheerfulghost.com slash games. Yep, that's it. And also everything that we're doing on it right now is, uh, except for Starship Rubicon, is open source or available on GitHub too. So you can go play Freshwater Fishing Simulator, click the view the source on GitHub, and you can see how I did that, how I put a DOS game in a browser window on Cheerful Ghost. Now, the game itself is not free software, um, but every other component I used is, and the mechanisms I used are. Also, um, I forked CandyBox and CandyBox 2, and that's on my GitHub too. And I made some changes to make it run on Cheerful Ghost. You can see what I did. Um, you can see nice. you can see Cheerful Fortune. That's open source as well. I think open source is going to involve is going to be also in some of our games moving forward. Although I'm not sure in what capacity. Um, but yeah, you can see everything I did. It's all available. That's awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. I mean, I'm curious about the dev process for something like freshwater fishing because you said you use DOSBox. I, I actually hadn't even heard of that until you mentioned it. DOSBox is an open source project that basically is one of the more important ones, I think, in the emulation community, which is which is seeks to like rebuild the DOS DOS um, as an open source project. Because again, there's a lot of amazing games in history yeah. that only runs in DOS, right? Because the source wasn't available for the games. And so how else would you play it? And in fact, when you're playing games on GOG, like Fallout, it's wrapping DOSBox. They're, they didn't oh. do a recompile of the game. They wrapped it in DOSBox. It's just, you just don't know because they, you know, they took off the DOSBox loader. And a lot of games run in DOSBox. Like I um, have a friend and he runs in Night Dive Studios and they did System Shock and a lot of their game, they read uh, really System Shock and a lot of other classic games. A lot of their stuff runs in DOSBox too. So what we did was I looked for a DOSBox that runs in a browser window which is based on a piece of software called mscripten, which mscripten um, allows you to compile your project source into HTML5. So basically someone compiled DOSBox into JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> so you can run the whole flipping operating system in your browser. And uh, so I found an uh, open source plugin for that. I put that on the web page, and then I got the original DOS um, programs and then i used this is an old f and dos thing but i used dos batch files <laughs> to <laughs> run to bootstrap everything with uh with dos box and javascript um wow yeah that is so cool all, check it out <laughs> uh well what's yeah. funny is like we kind of take for granted how powerful our browsers are and just how powerful yeah. computers are nowadays like at my last job one of the system administrators um, who had been a sysadmin for like 30 years or something, he always kept his DOS install disks and he had this stack of floppy disks that were rubber banded together. And there was probably <laughs> like seven to 10 different disks that you had to like, you know, pop into your floppy drive seven different times until it finished installing DOS. But the crazy thing is like those floppy disks could only hold, hold like, you know, one and a half megs or whatever. <laughs> 3.5. Was it 3.5? I remember well, the ones I used in high school were uh, 1.44 megabytes. And yeah, I remember saving the, like... Those were the three and a quarter. Those That's as high as you can get. Unless you went okay. zip drive and then that was like 100. Yeah. But it's just like crazy. Like that whole OS could fit on... What, what is that? Like 10, 10 megabytes? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> now, like that's nothing for a browser. So... It's wild. 
And that's what I think is really cool about these BBS systems and stuff and talking about DOSBox and stuff. It's just like harkens, harkens back to the days of old, you know? So, and I think that's, you know, a lot of people are kind of pining for that old school vibe, which is why we see the rise of all these fantasy consoles and stuff. I think so. And it's just a fun way of kind of like <clears throat> kind of honoring our, our history in terms of computing in general too. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of have it within us. I mean, this is a big uh, talk that's, that came up last time I was on craft computing <clears throat> as well as like kind of the, um, sorry, I'm getting all ahead of myself and jumping around, but basically this idea of like preserving sort of our, our, our history, right? Like the internet and all of this stuff, we kind of have this power and it's sort of like a museum in a way. And, the topic that we discussed was preservation of old games, um, especially uh, like abandonware type stuff. <clears throat> and like, what's the legality on all of that, right? Because like, there's lots of people who are preserving um, games that you just can't really find anymore. And they're doing it via ROM and all this type of stuff. And we've seen... Um, Nintendo like bringing down the hammer on really small you know not companies but small websites and stuff that are releasing Nintendo ROMs but like they're also sort of keeping alive these things that Nintendo has no intention of ever doing anything with and so it's kind of cool when we got people that you know still got their DOS installs or they're keeping bulletin boards alive or you know, things like that, because there will be a time where we slowly start to lose these things, and we're going to wish that more people did more to preserve them. Right. Well, and it's like, go every once in a while, I do that kind of same thing, where I go back and I want to play some of the games of my childhood, and they're hard to find. You can't even remember what most of them are called, and then if you find them, like, chances are they don't run. Or if they do run, they're they're completely skewed because the architecture was so different back then like that it, that they were designed for like how many of those like old school dos games now you you try and play them and they like run like 10 times speed or whatever right uh it's funny if you tried to run them in windows they would but that's what's really important about dosbox because it has systems to throttle all that right um so it can keep the timing right but you're totally right i mean i remember even back when I got like a faster Pentium computer, I had to run programs that would slow my CPU down or, yeah. you know, I couldn't play anything. You know? <laughs> right. So, like, uh, I remember trying to play Pitfall, uh, like a ROM of Pitfall, and it was uh, the same thing. Like the speed of the game, the frame rate of the game was determined by your CPU speed. And... Uh, yeah, it was virtually, like, unplayable then. And, you know, I, we did that in high school as, like, part of a, you know, example of, like, how that type of stuff works. But it was kind of interesting to see, you know, people do a lot of work to preserve this stuff. And I don't think, again, not necessarily that it's the same thing, but, like, Nintendo bringing down the hammer on people that are keeping NES games alive that otherwise would have been lost is just, that's not a re- good use of resources, in my opinion. So, you know... It's kind of cool that we can keep these things alive. So a question, I guess, for the future. Do you think that this is how technology will always be? Like in 20 years, will will we be trying to like go back and find a working copy of like 
you know, Fallout 4 or whatever, like something that actually runs on our stuff? Or have we kind of progressed to the point where I'm, I'm just thinking like in Unity, you know, there's ways of making your games frame rate independent so that it, it isn't reliant on probably some, some similar techniques that we had back in the day uh, for making things, you know, games move. Uh, do you think that in the future it's going to be the same thing? Or have we kind of advanced to a point where a lot of our our stuff nowadays will continue to work going forward? I think it's a two-part answer. I think part of it is like, well, for certain properties that have a commercial value moving forward, they're always going to be ported forward. Um, so we've got what the Nintendo, I just read today that the, the NES classic was the best selling console of like the last month or something like that. <laughs> so I believe it. Um, and those Nintendo games are still living on strong right now. So I think that there's a commercial incentive for that, but I think for other things, it's going to be trickier. Uh, maybe fallout four is going to be okay, but other games might not be. Um, especially games where they have this really, we also have questions about games that have a really weird window for some of the assets. For instance, like, um, I've read about some racing games that had to like put a patch that took music out because they lost the license to it. That seems weird to me. And then you have certain kinds of games that you can't even buy like Wolfenstein 2009, because I don't know why licensing or whatever reason. So there's always going to be this kind of content that you can't get because it's legally dubious. For instance, again, my friend that runs an iDive Studios like tried to acquire the license to Nobody Lives Forever. And you can't because it's in this legal weird zone that you just cannot commercially re-release it. He can't, even though he has partially part of the license, I believe. So that game lives on through everyone's original copies or piracy, right? And it's sad, you know? So I think it's I think part of it is emulation um preservation and also just if there's a commercial interest for it moving forward i i i think that all of them are really important and i don't knock people that try to um sort of like dump your nintendo roms and want to play them on your like that's fine you know and i think that that what you were talking about um brett with the nintendo kind of going after um those sites those rom sites is i think that there's this area that I don't quite know where I sit on, whereas I believe that, for instance, uh, I don't mind, I wouldn't have a problem if someone were to be like, look, I own Mario Brothers on the original Nintendo, which I do, and a zillion other versions, like on the Super Nintendo Classic and elsewhere. And if they had a ROM too, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then again, there's some of these ROM sites where they sell them, you know, or they, (laughs) or they have advertising and they make a boatload of money because people are downloading ROMs and clicking ads. Yeah. I, I don't know about it, that one. That one is trickier one, for me. Yeah. The one that I saw, I can't remember what it was, but you're right. There was something special about it, but they ended up going after them for, I think ultimately ended up coming out to be about a hundred million dollars, um, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah. It's I per infringement. Of, you can get it per yeah. infringement. That becomes a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. And it's per, yeah, it's like, yeah, per game or whatever. Uh, well, I just want to let everyone know, all the would-be lawyers, that all the games we included on our BVS um, are shareware, so they're okay to include. <laughs> <laughs> no takedown notices required, or open source, which is uh, which is fine. So, we're not including yeah. Mario Brothers. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do yeah. That. Yeah, the whole the whole legality with you know copying things, right? Because it's like, yeah, how many times do you have to buy? 
Super Mario Brothers before it's okay for you to have a ROM of it, right? And the same thing can be said of creating a quote-unquote backup copy of your favorite CDs, right? Like, um, I, I know that there's, like, in your license, when you buy a CD, it includes a clause that says, like, you have the right to back up your your copies of this. Um but, you know, of course, then you always get into some gray areas. And I've seen people getting in trouble for that type of stuff, even though it seems ridiculous now. I've, se- I've heard of cases where people get in trouble for having burned CDs or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. Working at a but, library, that's an interesting topic, too. Right. Because, like, how, if we check out CDs, how, how do we know that the people that are using them aren't breaking some sort of copyright? Because if anybody checks out a CD and tries to rip it, I think that's technically breaking copyright laws. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then being a library, like we're not held liable for that technically. So yeah. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. So, which I think a lot of libraries are starting to kind of go a different direction where they're only taking, uh, only making like digital copies of things. So they won't check out CDs anymore. They'll use a service that offers like temporary checkouts of music that, only works on like that app or whatever right so they're doing the same with like audiobooks i noticed which is really smart yep you got free audiobook service i don't even know how audible exists with that out there but yeah i know uh, it's pretty crazy <laughs> it's because people don't know that it exists i just don't think a lot of people know what services their libraries provide and i think that it's good that libraries are providing more comp like more digitally accessible services you know you can get in the discussion of drm all you want but like borrowing something from your library and giving it back i think you know, it's a pretty good case for some service to manage that. Um, probably fine mm-hmm. to me, I think, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're probably buying less CDs and stuff. Although I'm a dinosaur, so I'll still go to the library and get a CD or a movie or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah, it's free. So <laughs> yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah, libraries are valuable. You can even check out tools at some libraries. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. We can check out telescopes at ours. Pretty Dude, cool. that's epic. Yeah. Um. Shit. Uh, so we kind of we kind of went down a rabbit hole here, which is great, <laughs> though. Um, see, I always think about I, I whenever I think about this type of stuff, preservation of these types of things, it always makes me think of this book I read uh, last year called Station Eleven, which if you guys haven't read it, it is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. And it kind of is a story told in sort of two separate frames, one frame being I guess, for lack of a better term, like a post-apocalypse, right? It's it's post, post-event post which wiped out most of the world's population. That event being a plague, a flu that spreads and kills pretty much everybody. And the other frame being uh, the weeks and days leading up to the outbreak and immediately following the outbreak. And what's interesting is the story kind of focuses on this idea of like, where does art have a place in our world and how does, you know, and and it really examines that both in our modern time where, you know, there's the internet and there's planes and there are cell phones and things like that. And then this post-apocalypse world where there are none of those things yet people still thrive they travel around playing music and doing shakespearean theater yet you tell the kids who were either born after that or were too young to remember anything during that time 
And they're like, what? You had a box you could hold in your hand and you could, like, see anything in the world? And what? Planes flying in the sky? That's ridiculous. What? Do they have wings that flapped? That doesn't make any sense, you know? <laughs> that type of stuff. But it focuses on this um, this kind of museum that this guy sets up. And it is a museum of, like, past technology. And people show up and they put their credit cards in there and they put their cell phones in there and they put their floppy disks in there and CDs in there and all of this type of stuff. And people are like, what? This is ridiculous. How did that little plastic tr rectangle show you anything you know and that's kind of what this reminds me of right because we are going to run into a time i think and especially in the digital age like there's how many programs have already been lost to time in the digital age how many recordings taylor of music have you had that we've done that have just been sort of lost to time because we didn't do our due diligence in backing it up or keeping it right yeah um, man there's a few and well, it's interesting because it's only going to get worse and there's more content than ever being generated, but also less care than ever being uh, placed in maintaining those. Yeah, I think I think part of it and, and I think about this sometimes just that like up until recently, all hard drives basically stored data in a physical way. Right. And so a lot of the stuff that we lost or I'm sure tons of people have lost are because their hard drives like physically spun, you know, which, yeah. which mean that they break easier. So yeah. maybe there will be a time when we can kind of progress past that and stop. Like it almost seems archaic, right? Like we live in such a digital age yet. We still have like spinning discs that yeah, with, hold with data it's on them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is this barbarian technology? Yeah. First it was books and now it's a spinning thing yeah yeah well just to well, play devil's advocate for spinning media um it's a way cheaper to buy like an eight terabyte drive than the equivalent ssd um, true oh absolutely <laughs> yeah so i have absolutely. like absolutely yeah yeah i have a nas at my house uh with about that amount of storage and uh it was cool to be able to put that together but you're right it's way slower <laughs> <laughs> well what's even more now though is we're even getting to this idea where like a hard drive itself or a solid state drive is kind of might be archaic right like they're talking about game streaming services which i know were attempted in the past just not they didn't really take off you know just like i thought when netflix was coming out with streaming i was like what a gimmick this won't last yeah <laughs> Back, you know? um, do they like, still send dvds in the mail they, they can yeah. netflix yep they do really yep. wow mm -hmm. yeah because they have some titles that aren't available for streaming oh yeah you can get and well, Rhett, in the mail. In what you're talking about, this is something I've been thinking a lot about and kind of why Cheerful Ghost is doing the BBS, right? So I, I agree with you. I think game streaming is, um, it looks like Microsoft and Sony for their next consoles are going to be releasing two versions. Well, at least Microsoft I know right now. Sony's probably going to do the same thing. Which one version of the console is going to be your special streaming machine? And it's going to be kind of like a Netflix kind of thing. You'll be able to play games over the Microsoft streaming service. Maybe it'll have limited power to play some indie games or whatnot, play movies, etc. Then the other one's going to be your traditional Microsoft console, which will be like the next leap up in hardware, but it'll still be able to stream too. So they'll be able to have their streaming version that's going to be cheaper and then their more expensive console version. It seems like, and even if you look at what Steam's doing right or Valve is doing right now with Steam in-home streaming, it seems like the next step they might offer is something very similarly. It seems like now it's a tech arms race to see who can, like EA's offering this stuff and other kinds of companies are offering it. And you can kind of see vestiges of this again. And again, like I mentioned with EA, they're offering like their a la carte service where you have a monthly sub and then you can download games like to your computer, but then they're DRM. So if you stop, you can't play them anymore 
or um, services with like Humble Monthly, which you you know you pay a monthly sub and you get the games for free. This these all seem like the same kind of thing, just operating in a different way. One's streaming the games, one's giving you a free copy of the game, one's offering you a monthly sub where you can take the game or or not. So, but it seems like it's under the whole guise of games as a surface, which I know a lot of people are super not cool with. Um, and I wasn't either when I sort of thought about Netflix as a model either. Like I was like, no, I totally want to own all my movies and I still do. I own so much. I, I, I still have, sorry, Taylor, I haven't given away my CDs yet. I still love them. I will, but like, um, they're so, they're so fucking heavy. I've got, st- I've got stacks of this shit anyway. So, and I love buying stuff. I still do. Like I have physical games that I buy, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think what's happening with gaming is we're moving to games as a service. And I think we're moving to what games are more accessible, not what games are better necessarily. Just like with Netflix. It's not about on Netflix what's better to watch. It's what's more accessible to watch, right? I'm not saying Netflix doesn't do cool stuff, but you're more likely to watch some trash than pay for something or go see something that you don't want to spend more time to do, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So this is not, I'm not saying I want to make trashy games, but what I'm saying is I want to make games more accessible in like a browser and so that people can play them because I don't think we're moving into an area where the best games are going to be the games people play more. It's going to be the games that are easier to play. I could totally see that. Um, and I think like generally though, that like software as a service is becoming more and more what's, what's going to be the standard partially just because already everything is so accessible like well that and and we just have like a huge saturation of like if we're talking about games like a huge saturation of games in the marketplace or whatever but like you hear more and more the talk of windows becoming software as a service just like with uh office 365 paying monthly fees or a year membership Windows is probably going to start going that same way. And I think that's kind of how consumers will just have to adjust to that. Since everything is, you know, getting more and more um, connected, I mean, not taking into account net neutrality, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so it's interesting. And I think you're right. I mean, I'm not someone who's going to go out and rent a movie anymore because I'm lazy. I have all these different streaming services that I'll just sift through and be like, well, I can't really find anything I want. So I guess I'll either not watch something or watch something that's here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, see what's funny about that. It's a, uh, it's a really good point. I still rent movies sometimes, but you can also now rent off of Amazon. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You don't even really have to leave your house, but you know, I still enjoy going to like Redbox every once in a while and just seeing what they've got. I love like renting crappy movies from there, <laughs> just like seeing what's going on. Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, it's f- sorry. No, I had nothing else to say. I was gonna say what's interesting too, and and I think it's kind of like this idea that history repeats itself. Um, I think as we go on, uh, and and technology improves and and everything else, we're kind of getting almost back to that point where we're not really going to need these ultra-powered gaming PCs and stuff anymore. We're going to start, like you said, going to this like streaming video game service, like Gamefly. Isn't that the one that you could stream the game? Like It was like running on a server somewhere, 
And well, I don't game, think game they were the Netflix like. You, it's, yeah. it's basically the Netflix of games. You could just get games that way. Oh, you okay. would get games in the mail. There was there was, was another on one. Live, on, on Live, I think was the yeah, first one. I think that was it. But like, it's pretty much gonna. I could see it going the way of um, like terminal based, where you have like a dummy client that doesn't really have much on it, and then you just get all of the all of your data remotely. Like we're that's we've talked what I about think the this next Microsoft console is going to be, and that's kind of how I look at our games BBS, which is you can get your game in a browser. It's essentially well, it's not dumb. Browsers are really smart, but it's the same kind of idea, right? Yeah, and and I so I work in IT, and I see that more and more often. Like the last company that I was at, we were really looking at um, removing all staff desktops and just giving them zero clients, and then all of their desktop you know, infrastructure like Windows and everything was built on a server somewhere and they would just remote into like their instance of Windows on their little dummy computer. Um, and like that now, in some cases, it's almost cheaper to do that as opposed to like having to support desktop hardware and all this stuff, you know? So I, I feel like we're going to start seeing that more and more regularly as time goes on. See, what's weird to me about this is this idea, though, like, eventually, like, we can dig up books that are 2,000 years old, and we can read them, we can translate them, and we can be like, wow, 2,000 years ago, what a wild time, right? But if everything is stored, like, you know, eventually they're going to be, like, digging up our remains and like, look at this. Yes, we call it a server farm. <laughs> we don't know what it was for. It's just a bunch of blocks of metal, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, without the, like, right knowledge of, like, how to figure out what's... Uh, being stored and how it's being stored you know well, like they're not going to be able to read our emails they're not going to be able to read uh you know this type of information and figure out like what we were doing and how we were doing it yeah i mean think um, if there was like an apocalyptic event and like no technology worked anymore you know how like it would take forever for us to be able to get back to where we are because there's yeah. so much knowledge that is just like built upon itself that we'd have to kind of start from the beginning yeah. See, I always say if there's like an uh, if like something happens now and like the grid turns off, like I live near the library, and if there's something I need to learn to do, I'm gonna just hoof it over to the library and find <laughs> a book on how to do what I need to do to survive. You know, mm -hmm. like oh, I need to learn to tie knots. Well, I know a lot of knots, but I'll go to the library and learn more. Oh, I need to learn how to grow my own food. Well, I suck at gardening, but I'm sure there's a book that can help me at the library. <laughs> Until your local um, <clears throat> your local band tribe decides they want to control information and burn it down. Right. <laughs> well, then I'm going to have to get a local anti-bandit tribe. We're going to have to reside right. in the library and forcibly fight these goons off. Who's <laughs> just, with me? Just as long as you, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there to protect <laughs> the books. Good, good. <laughs> oh, man. It's like uh, our own little like foundation, uh, you know, Isaac Asimov's uh, series. Anyway, <laughs> dumb joke. <laughs> but I want people to know, like, I could just see people, some people fuming in their minds about this. I'm not saying like you shouldn't keep tricking out your PC and water cool it and all that kind of stuff because right. you're still going to be able to download games. That's not going to go away. You'll still be able to buy yeah. them and that kind of thing. Because even if this whole streaming thing takes off with Microsoft, it's not clear to me how games are going to be funded, right? Imagine right. a game like destiny that goes to a streaming service only and everyone's paying 9.99 a month okay well how do they get money for that game right? <laughs> yeah these games take 100 million zillion dollars to make i don't understand how money that's going to work in that instance so uh, 
because it just doesn't seem like it scales right to me right now. But I think they're going to figure it out just like Netflix sort of figures it out um, in that way. But again, sort of like how eventually we're like, I'm going to buy a car and it's just going to drive me to a place or maybe yeah. I won't even own a car someday. It's, I'm just going to get like Uber will just send a robot car to my house and I don't ever have to own a car because I can just, you know, tell them when I want to drive somewhere and they'll just be there and drive me there and that'll be okay. But you could still probably drive your car and fix it up if you want, but most people won't because why? You know what I mean? You just yeah. wouldn't. So I kind of view it yeah, as no, like these Oh, you got to event- put oil in it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why? Why? I, I mean, you know, don't have to if you don't need to. But I just kind of view it as a p- potential a potential future or whatever. Although I think there's yeah. a couple of things that, cause streaming a video game is way more complicated, like a 3d game than streaming a movie on Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like absolutely so much more complicated. So I'm surprised that the tech's advanced as fast as it has. Um, and there's still a little bit of uh, stuff left to, to work through latency being one. And then also just consistency. And um, I have questions about like, well, it seems like everyone's pushing to 4K, but the streaming shit's going to basically be in 720 or 1080p, right? right? And it's going to not be great until it is good. And then how do you, I don't know. So anyways, a lot of questions about it. It's going to take a while to roll out and people are going to hate it at first. They're going to say they hate it. Um, But I kind of like look at that in some of the ways that I look at when, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want a cell phone. Um. And then I got one and it was amazing. And I was like, you know, because I didn't want to sell them because I didn't want people to contact me all the time. And then I got one because apparently I did. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get a smartphone because I need, you know, physical buttons. And I was like, oh, no, guess I don't need those. And apparently I was wrong about that. I'm not saying everyone's going to do this, but a lot of people probably will. So. I think the uh, infrastructure for just networks, and, you know, high speed Internet and everything in America needs to improve before they can offer that solely. I mean, there's a yep. lot of places in the U.S. that are still running on satellite internet and stuff like that. But if you go to a, a more populous place, like very centralized population, like Korea or Japan or something, I could see it potentially working better there. But yeah, you guys want to talk about goals? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what have we been talking about, Taylor? We're talking about our future tech goals here. <laughs> Um, no, absolutely right. I'm interested to see, um, aside from the BBS system, John, what, uh, ha- have you been on track for any other things that we might've talked about before or how have you adjusted since we last talked to sort of, you know, adjust your goals or adjust your trajectory, you know, life happens, it gets in the way. And, you know, I don't think anybody fully expects us to throw a dart on January 1st and, and totally land that bullseye come around New Year's Eve. But, uh, you know, how, how are you doing? Yeah, I would say that uh, I threw off some goals that made that made that makes little sense now. But when I came up with the goals, I was like, that was really great. I really wanted to do like a six song EP with a band that I am a part of. And I realized that that's not going to happen. I just mm-hmm. because I just I wanted to get this cheerful ghost thing out and a few other things I wanted to do. So I kicked that one off. And that that's pretty good. Although I am going to do that. It's probably going to happen the next couple of years. But the one that I talked about probably the most last time was the health uh, goal and keeping off the weight. And that's been going really well. So i nice. um, still thin. I'd like to lose another five to seven. But I'm pretty good right now. I'm finding it's really easy to maintain the 
plus minus five zone. You know what I mean? Um, and just with how I'm sort of focused and the kid and, you know, the relationship I'm in and that kind of thing. Um, not saying it's challenging or whatever, but like, well, it is life, life is challenging, but, um, it, I've been finding it hard to just go that extra five to seven. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually good right now. So let's focus on some other stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, and that kind of thing, but no, it's good. Um, and I, I'm really happy with, with how I've been able to keep that off. I think that's been, um, one of the things I've been the most proud of. Do you have any like um, obvious new goals now that you, especially now that you've achieved one of them, or I don't know if you want to say exactly achieved because it's probably a continuous thing, but anything you've added to the list? Yeah. So I want to launch our first proper BBS game this year that we're going to make a cheerful ghost game. I want to do that this year. I think that's going to happen. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't. So that's another one. Um, new goals. Yes. And then I came up one, with one that I'm going to do next year. It's another game. Uh, that's like the dream. Like if I can get that done by next year, um, it, uh, oof, it'll be incredible. <laughs> it'll be great. It's it's just, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it, but um, it's going to be it's going to be really cool. I, I, I'll like it a lot. I don't know if other people will, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Well, we'll have to check in next year then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that aligns with one of my goals, which was to keep Game Devs Quest going and growing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that sounds really, really good. Oh, one other thing that I did too, um, which I came up with a new one as well, was so um, Cheerful Ghost occasionally gets stuff to review for the website. And when we do like a game or whatever, like Travis reviewed Punch Club on the uh, Switch, we, we tell people, hey, we got this code from the publisher. So... Um, so the first time I got this, but I got a uh, physical book from a publisher um, called the Super Nintendo Omnibus by Brett Weiss, Volume 1. So they cover all the Super Nintendo games um, that were released in the United States, A through M. So Volume 2 will be, you know, the, the rest of them. Um, and I was, I was reviewing, looking at the book, reading it to review it. I noticed that Brett had included a lot of notable quotes and stuff from other video game websites that I have never even heard of. And I was, and he, it's an amazing amount of effort that he put into this book to do that. Uh, the review will probably be out tomorrow or something like that. But like, but I was like, okay, well, I didn't, like I run a video game website and I don't even know these websites exist. These game communities exist. Like I bet most people don't either. And then I realized something else too, which is that, the only things that I know about are things that Facebook, Twitter, whatever or people in those groups share that I know about. And most people mostly only share from a couple sources of information, right? So if it's video game news, it's probably going to be from Reddit or IGN or whatever, Kotaku, Polygon, whatever. And I'm like, okay, but there are a ton of other sources for information, people doing really, really great work in the community. So what i so I came and then I also realized that it can, apparently it's going to be my goal to bring everything from the past back or something. I don't know. But <laughs> but like I remembered back in the early 90s because I built a web page back on GeoCities back in the day. That's how I learned how HTML worked just by making my own web page. Uh, and that started my whole sort of well, I started earlier with basic programming and stuff on our computer. But but anyways, like um, so they had these things called web rings. And so I had a website on GeoCities called Lemon Fresh Spungus back in the day. And it was part of like, 
like the people that make websites in Notepad WebRing or whatever. I don't even remember. And the idea of a WebRing is a bunch of people running a website, put the WebRing code on there, and then you click the WebRing and you can find, discover a site that you didn't know existed. And they could band together as a community and sort of prop each other up. Okay, which now I realize a lot of these web rings are just ad vehicles for <laughs> other people to get rich. But the idea is pretty cool. So I so um, last week and sort of fit after reading his book, you know, reading a little bit of his book and sort of inspiration in 45 minutes, I wrote web ring software that takes a list of web ring, uh, a list of websites, and it will randomly pick one for you and forward you along. So I'm going to register a domain. I'm um, curating a list right now of video game sites not in the top 10, video game communities not in the, I'm sorry, top 20, uh, video game communities, uh, mod sites, and just really eclectic stuff like starmen.net. You know, uh, that's like an Earthbound community of people that love talking about <laughs> Earthbound and the Mother series. Nice. <laughs> so, like, you can go to this, you can link to it on your website, and it will randomly select a video game community and forward you along our video game website. Um, that's to, cool. And then, that is and cool. then what I want to do is reach out to all these people. I'm curating the list right now, and I'm going to put it in there, and then I'm going to reach out to these people and get them to see if they could link to it so we can sort of be stronger together, I think, mm -hmm. might be interesting. Cheerful Ghost will definitely link to it, and then maybe people can share it, and then eventually it'll become an index for non-corporate media sites or non-top 20, because frankly, Kotaku, Polygon, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, like, they don't need the help <laughs> you know what i mean but i just find that we're really only going to a few places for information even news but that's a the political news is a totally different thing i'm i'm in the video game space but that's also a problem and there are a lot of voices out there that need attention so that's another open source project i'm starting and I, i'm probably have that out in the next couple months too so it's awesome did you ever uh use stumbleupon.com Yes, I did. I that. have. Um, and I thought that was actually really, really cool. This I did one's too, be yeah. focused on the video game stuff, but yeah, StumbleUpon's right. really neat. Yeah, it actually just uh, just ended. Like, they, they stopped being around, so. Oh, I had no you got, idea. You got that void, at least for the video game. Oh. One. <laughs> yeah, nice. Awesome. Hey, guys, if you notice the hiccup, so we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're getting back on track. I don't know if you guys heard me or not, but... After we kind of stopped there talking about this, I kind of veered it towards Taylor to see, you know, because we haven't really openly discussed our goal tracking or stuff on the show that much. You know, we were waiting to have yeah. John back on. Right. Um, so I was kind of trying to move the focus over to Taylor for a moment. You know, if you want to briefly just kind of run us through how your goal has been going and how, you know, if you've taken any steps to sort of adjust your trajectory or adjust your target. Um you know, how's that been going for you? Yeah, well, looking through my goals, I there's some that I feel like I'm pretty close with. Others I've completely um, kind of changed course on. The top one was complete 12 straight months of one game, one game a month. I stopped doing yeah. that in order to pursue working on the Lumberjack game I've been working on for a couple months. Um, and that kind of ties into the next one, which was to start working on a game in October to release on Steam in 2019. Which I'm not doing Steam, but I'm going towards uh, Google Play, so I kind of count that. So even though I feel like I kind of failed those, I'm I've redirected in a place that I think makes sense. Um, most of these are game dev related. I mean, game dev and podcast. So I got the whole keep game devs quest going and growing, which is good. Book club also good. Read twelve books for book club. We're on track. 
five game dev related books. I've done like three, I think. Um, and then most of the other ones are like habits pushing to GitHub. I said every day, but regularly is uh, about right. And I've been doing that with my games and then practicing pixel art. I've been doing that a lot. So Sweet. I don't know. I, I probably should have designed these goals to be a little more quantifiable, flexible. but flex. Yeah. But I mean, I guess overall, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know what I like to do? And I talked about it before. I'm going to rehash a little bit I, at the beginning of each year or rather at the end of each year, I like to sort of gloss over a list that I made previous year called uh, my list of 100 things to do. And generally about December, I start kind of going over what I accomplish and I start planning new things. Now I say a hundred and I do a hundred because I know I'm not going to get them all, but there's lots of little, very specific goals that I can then hit on. And uh, I'm looking at my list right now, and I'm not going to recite the list by any means. But uh, yeah, I'm do I'm kind of on track to get like I don't know, maybe like forty to fifty, which is like pretty Jeez. good because normally I get like thirty ish, you know, because I know that there's a bunch that I'm just not going to be able to do. What are some right? of the ones like, that you're going to hit or have hit? Going to Spain, going to Italy. I went to Boston, which was one of my goals. Um, I'm currently, I feel like I'm sort of on track for um, having a, a small conversation, controlled conversation rather, in American Sign Language, um, which has been a big goal of mine for a while that I've only really recently, uh, this year rather, taken steps towards. Uh, I've threw, I threw away half of my wardrobe. I moved. I begun the ambitious task of... Uh, editing together all of the footage from tours and shows and stuff from uh, one of my old bands. And I want to just create kind of like a pseudo documentary style thing to put on YouTube for free. Um, because we that have like cool. hours and hours of footage, but I think I can parse it down to like 90 minutes and like do some commentary on it and have a fun thing. But that's been a goal for like five years and I'm just now finally starting to do it. So I'm kind of on track for that, which is fine. Um, I am on track to uh, write and record a full-length solo album. Um, Are you doing also... that this year? Yeah. Wow. Cool. I mean, the songs aren't going to be good. I just want to have a full-length <laughs> solo album. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been on track for that. Um, I had, That was a goal of mine last year as well that I didn't hit. And, but I feel like I'm a little bit more on track this year because I actually have been playing and writing a lot and playing shows and stuff. So... Um, that feels good. Um, looks like I am on track to, oh, did I say move? Cause I'm on track for that. Um, I'm on, I, I nailed a couple really small ones, learned some basic Python, uh, which I feel like I did. Um, I'm also on track to go to PAX West. I also am on track for a bunch of other small ones. Not on track, nailed them. Try yoga. Did that a long time ago. <laughs> Don't eat fast food uh, alone, rather. Um, so no, like, drive-thrus and no just, like, well, I'm hungry and I'm in a hurry, so go through drive through or pull in or whatever. Uh, I don't eat fast food by myself. Yeah, but those days when you just feel terrible um, yeah, oh yeah. and no one's around and you're just like, oh, I'm yeah. going to do this and you feel worse after. I, don't, I guess that wasn't a positive thing, but I totally do the same <laughs> oh, no, thing I'm... sometimes. 
I'm very familiar with that feeling, which is why I created this rule. Yeah, um, it's a really good one. It's a really good <laughs> because, one. And it's actually been way easier to maintain. And and see, this is a funny one because I kind of gloss over it. But how powerful is it that I've gone eight months now without doing this? And, and the one that kind of ties in with that, too, is no drinking pop, which has never been a, a very hard thing for me. But I'm, we might have talked on it before. I started drinking pop a lot when I started this really stressful job. And uh, just because it's caffeine, it's cheap, it's everywhere, and it's cold and bubbly, so it feels good. Um, but these kind of go hand in hand, and uh, I was having a big issue with that exact thing you mentioned, John. Just like, rough day. I'm going to pull in, and I'm going to get the greasiest, sloppiest burger with the largest order of fries, and I'm going to just guilt it down my throat. You know what I mean? Like all the way down and I'm just like eating and every piece of grease that's going down my chin. I'm just like, God, you're worthless. You're worthless. <laughs> and then it just turns into like a big issue. And I, I stress eat a lot. So, um, it's kind of been a really attainable goal because it doesn't mean that I can't have fast food. It's just that I'm not going to do it by myself, especially in those vulnerable moments where I've had a really rough day and I'm driving home and I'm starving and everything would just be better if I had a bite of food. Right gotten a lot better about carting around snacks um even healthy snacks you know not always but um always got some snacks on hand to kind of curb that craving if i need um so yeah i feel really good about that one nice um and of course there's a lot of other small goals that um i might not hit at all uh i have a goal i wanted to hike 50 miles uh do a 50 miler this year i don't think i'm gonna hit that one because i just don't have time um i have a goal of writing a novel i don't know if i'm going to be able to finish that one just because of time constraints i want to i wanted to go to yellowstone this year don't think i'm going to be able to do that in 2018 run a half marathon that's uh i've been running a lot but i don't think i'm gonna have time to that, find dude a mar- that's mine marathon. that i say like every year oh this year i'm gonna run a half marathon i've been saying it for like yeah. 10 years yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I put it on because you and I talked about it. <laughs> so thanks. Dude, maybe we um, need to. Let's let's do what I did that one time and and not train and then and then just go run one. All right. Man, we got to hold ourselves <laughs> accountable now. So here it is. The accountability group on Game Dev's Quest. John's here to he's going to remind us every day on Twitter how worthless we are until we did it. Uh, <laughs> no, I th- I think you guys could probably do that uh pretty well yourselves, but I th- if because I'm, you know, someone who deals with that kind of thing, I you know, it's really easy to remember, but um one thing I recommend then, guys, then is uh making a game from this, right? From your pain, which is a marathon training simulator. You just have two <laughs> buttons. One is train and one's yeah, fuck that. And it's it's an easy game loop. It's an easy game loop. And if you don't, you know, if you click one button, like your hatred for yourself goes, you know, up and the other one, <laughs> something else happens. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this sounds like a terrible game. I don't know. It sounds like a know. perfect one mechanic game jam game. It so kind of, maybe our next exactly theme is marathon. I was like, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can you lose if your hatred meter goes too high. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you lose by going uh, to the drive-thru and eating too much. So, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to lose in real life then. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think this has been a great talk. We're kind of like... I mean, I know we kind of lost a few minutes in there, but unless there's anything that you guys really want to um, 
touch on. I know we like really talked about being goal oriented this time, but we had a lot of fun talking about BBS and talking about uh, old technology and the future of uh, of you know kind of the trajectory of of modern technology and where it's headed, um, which is always fun. I love speculating on this, and and me and Taylor spent a lot of time speculating on virtual reality and augmented reality. It's kind of fun to speculate on the future of. Um, well, it's also fun uh, because uh, we can look back on this in five years and see how wrong we are. You know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're a little close, but yeah. who knows? Only time will tell. Um. Yeah, John, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on or did we kind of? Well, I wanted to say thank you to you both. Um, so it's fun to be on this side of it because I usually just listen to your show. But um, a couple shows ago, you guys were talking rightfully about traffic safety um and i think and not getting your phone out now this is really important to me because i'm a runner and people being safe on the road uh means that i don't die so i really want to thank you for saying something about that um i'm to the point now with running where i am so cautious of drivers i will not enter the crosswalk if they are not completely stopped which will annoys them very much and some people will blaze on because they want to do a rolling stop and i will not do it only because i don't want to die and i've gotten into some close scrapes with people that i don't think we're entirely paying attention and like the other day i was just and the guy did not want to stop and he just blasted straight through because i would not walk out the crosswalk (laughs) for his rolling stop and um i don't know i'm not mad or whatever but like traffic safety is important because it was funny because my friend was not funny but my friend was walking the other day and someone died in front of him because they got hit by a car because someone wasn't paying attention um yeah and they were on vacation and someone died while my friends were on vacation because people weren't paying attention. I don't want me to get it super dark. I just – it's kind of important. So No, and what's up. funny that you mentioned this too is uh, because I've been thinking about this a lot. And with the weather getting nice, I think this is what we talked about. With the weather getting nice, people are just – there's more drivers on the road. People are driving more frivolously, right? It's not so much like let's – I got to go to the store. I got to go to work. It's also the weather's nice. Let's go out and do something fun or let's go for a drive with the windows down. Let's blast our music and all this. And everybody just wants to have a good time. But I think it's very important. People just remember, like, leave yourself time to get to where you're going safely, right? You don't need to rush. I mean, I drive for a freaking living, and it's not that hard. You know, I get the occasional speeding ticket, but rarely am I going super crazy over the speed limit. I really lock it in. I'm not going crazy around corners. And now that I ride a motorcycle, it's even more important. And... You know, I have had I there's a hairpin corner by my house and I like riding my motorcycle on that road because it's shaded, lots of fun smells. Um, and it's a really easy way for me to get into town to like, you know, go grocery shopping, hit the bank or whatever. And uh, the other day I was coming around the corner and some asshole was looking down, presumably at a phone coming around this 10 mile an hour hairpin corner. I'm on the inside going downhill and he's halfway in my lane going uphill on the outside corner and i had to go off the road because he was in my lane not even looking and it's wild this stuff is becoming more and more and more common even in oregon you can face jail time for using your phone while driving and we all do it that's a fact of life but your car's moving and you're taking a 10 mile an hour corner. You shouldn't be texting somebody 
and maybe that's not what that person was doing. Who knows? You know, maybe they spilled hot coffee in their lap or some garbage. But, um, you know, I'm I'm forgiving, but also, and especially in Salem, we have a huge issue with pedestrian fatalities. And I think the day that we even talked about traffic safety on here was the day that there was a traffic fatality after everybody complained publicly to the police about their sting operation. And it's like, okay, well, we just had another avoidable pedestrian death. And the roads are for everybody. They're not just for cars. They're for runners like John. They're for motorcyclists. They're for bicyclists. They're for kids on their Razor scooters. They're for kids in their strollers. They're for dogs. They're for, you know, all of these. You don't own the road just because you're in a car. And just because you're in a box of safety with a freaking strap around your neck and a gigantic inflatable balloon in front of you to protect your face, you don't own the road. Just because you have good insurance doesn't mean you own the road. And what's funny, John, I was listening to uh, your first um, your first uh, episode on Solo, and I was driving to Bend, and there was a huge three-car accident on my way back down the mountain, coming in back into, you know, my area, um, and it was because somebody was, was texting while driving three cars totaled somebody had to get life flighted out in front of me the whole road was blocked for an hour and it's just like this is ridiculous um so it's funny that you uh you touched on that traffic safety thing while i was uh also listening to your sweet words talk about solo <laughs> that's awesome yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean i as a as a person with a kid i think every like there are those times where i'll be driving and he's like i want to the hokey pokey song the pokey song pokey song now <laughs> and i'm like firstly buddy we don't say now come on ho- pokey song please pokey song please <laughs> and so i get how it goes so here's a tip you guys do a quick tip at the top of the show here's a quick tip kind of towards the end uh your phones can actually take voice input <laughs> so here's a here's a tip to all the parents out there okay siri play hokey pokey okay it works it works i have the hokey pokey on my phone it finds it it plays it and i don't murder someone <laughs> right vehicle. okay siri's pretty good use voice use your voice right use your voice how it amazing works. is it that we have these amazing voice assistants you can have this thing mounted on your dashboard and you can ask the son of a gun to play the hokey pokey song for you. I, I love it. That's a great tip. Yeah, it's really important because he needs to hear it every three minutes we drive in the car. So it's really important. <laughs> awesome, man. I think that's a really perfect place to stop. Um, use your voice command. Use your your voice assistance, guys. Drive safely. We're all important to people in our lives. We are not as important as a text message. Or we're not as important as getting that hokey pokey song. Uh, so use your voice assistance. Let's all get there safely and have a great rest of our summers, right, guys? That's right. Yes. Awesome. Uh, John, let's uh, hear your plugs if you want to get any. Obviously, Cheerful Ghost should be at the top, but if you got any social media things like that you want to share, go announce the time. Yeah, so uh, I run Cheerful Ghost, which you talked about a bit about. You can check out our BBS at cheerfulghost.com/games. I'm also on Twitter at j dodson excellent you guys can always reach us of course we're at game devs quest on twitter that ain't enough you can give us a give us a shout out on email we're gdq at airpodcast.com 
And of course, you guys can always join our Discord server and yell at us about our feelings of traffic safety, uh, we, which I will defend fervently. Um, you can do that on our Discord server, of course, uh, bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen Discord. And hey, if you guys want to support the podcast financially, you can do so while also supporting yourself by going to Humble Bundle and buying some stuff where our very special links good for 24 hours. We get a small little portion of whatever you buy. You get some cool stuff. There's lots of excellent game, uh, excuse, yeah, yeah, excellent game bundles, but also there's also Jesus, I can't talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> there's also some really good book bundles, including sometimes some uh, programming book bundles and things like that. If you keep hey, like out. right now, program your own games. 19 book book bundle. Excellent. What a perfect plug for awesome program your own games book bundle. You can do that by using our link bit.ly forward slash GD. GDQ hyphen hyphen humble. Humble. Yep. Oh, did I butcher the discord one? I probably did. Bit.ly forward slash GDQ discord. Our humble bundle bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen humble. There it is. Oof. Gosh. <laughs> now we're talking. I just lose my mind. It's the heat. Yep. I can't drive today. I'm probably going to accidentally run. Global over, warming's so. real. <laughs> <laughs> John, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming back on. And uh, you are welcome back anytime. We're going to we'll have to talk about that in the future. Have you back on to to talk more about uh, how the BBS is going or yeah, BBS, sorry. Oh god, my brain. <laughs> Let's um, wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. And also to uh, you know, talk about anything else that we want to talk about. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, John. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks guys. for listening, guys. Hope you all Thanks, have a good guys. week. Cute app music. Yeah, buddy.